This is the Rise of the Young Podcast, bringing you insights from the most innovative entrepreneurs and influencers of this era. Hosted by 17-year-old entrepreneur, author, public speaker, and branding expert, Casey Adams. Now, let's get right into the show. What's going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome to the Rise of the Young Podcast. Today, episode 34, we have someone I'm honored to have on my show, honestly. We have Christopher Drama Faf. A lot of you guys may know him as Drama from the shows like MTV Robin Big and The Fantasy Factory and Drama. We're going to be talking a lot about today, just not about just the shows you've been on, but like the entrepreneur journey that you've been able to manifest throughout your years. And a lot of you who don't know, Drama is the founder and CEO of Young and Reckless, the streetwear brand that has been amazingly blown up over the last years that I've been repping it. People from all over the world have been repping it. So Drama, honestly, man, it's been a pleasure to have you on and I look forward to getting into this interview. Thanks, this is really cool. I'm really excited. And that intro made me feel real special. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. So yeah, man, every time I kind of have a, a podcast, have someone I'm interviewing, I just kind of like to keep it conversational. But the first thing I like to ask is always like, for the people who may not know who you are, but where are you from? And just how did your journey as of success as an entrepreneur, as a actor start in general? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's getting kind of long now. Like at age thirty-one, I feel like my story is starting to get pretty lengthy. But, but um, the historic version of it is: I'm from Akron, Ohio. Um, I grew up skateboarding. Skateboarding was all that I dedicated my whole life to. Um, and so I knew from a very young age that the moment that I graduated high school, I wanted to move to LA. Not only because it was the skateboard capital of the world, but just because there was so much action um, out here. And I knew that obviously there was nothing in Ohio, and I just had to kind of get out and and figure something out as soon as I could. So right after I graduated, pretty much that winter, I moved um, to L.A., Um, ended up becoming close with my cousin who lived out here for years before that and uh, who we ended up doing all these shows together with, and that's Rob. And um, I remember right when I first moved here, he was kind of throwing around the idea of like having this opportunity to – create an MTV show about him and his bodyguard slash best friend, which ended up becoming Bob and Big. Um, but it seems so foreign to us. You know, it seems so like an MTV show and reality. Like we didn't know what any of it really meant. So sure enough, after about a year, a year and a half of me living here uh, and a lot of trial and error of kind of messing around with different content types and whatever, um, MTV bought Robin Big, and so that ended up being the air. I kind of squeezed my way into that as his little cousin slash assistant slash butt of all the jokes slash you know uh, just kind of squeezed whatever I could. Uh, so we did three seasons of that show, which ended up being this crazy, massive hit, and it really changed everything for us. And not only changed the way that we looked at content and marketing and how to market products, but it changed obviously our lives. I mean, people started recognizing us walking down the street and stuff like that. And that was really foreign to all of us. So, um, what the whole time, our, our biggest priority was always having businesses or, or running businesses or very entrepreneurial stuff. Like we didn't want to be famous for a living or be entertainers for a living. None of us did. So after three seasons, um, Robin big, we, Rob and Big Black just stopped doing it. They just were over it. It was too taxing. It was too much time spent doing nothing and just joking around. And they, and they, like I said, they wanted to, to work. And so we stopped doing that. Uh, about a year later, MTV came back and said, 
we want you guys to do another show. You can do anything you want. Um, we just need familiar faces back there. And Rob is you know, now the literally the face of MTV. I mean, he's yeah. the golden child for MTV. So they were like, whatever we can do to get you back, uh, we'll do it. So that's where he came up with the concept for Fantasy Factory. Um, at that time, Big Black had had a child and moved to Texas. And so it was Rob and I. And I and for me, I thought like, man, this is my shot. Like this is my time. You know, we're starting this new show. I'm finally the second in command, you know, and, and, and I finally hopefully we'll have enough power to be able to market products and be able to really make some money. And that's when I kind of rushed and came up with the idea for Young and Reckless. And you know, long story short with that, I always wanted to I was really inspired by like skate culture because I grew up in, in that and, and by streetwear and all of those things. But I knew that I had this massive platform that was MTV, and I knew that I was hitting almost, you know, all, all these millions of living rooms across the country. And so I wanted to create a brand that was big and could be sold anywhere, but still had a little bit of that skate or streetwear feel. And that's where I came up with the idea for Young and Reckless. So I instantly started wearing it all over the show um, nonstop, and we did a couple episodes about it. And then we just hustled. Like, we just. I did all the marketing I could with other people like rappers, athletes, influencers, anyone, because I didn't want it to be my merch brand. I wanted it to be a legitimate clothing line that everyone just kind of looked at and said, like, where did this thing come from? It just came out of nowhere. Now everyone's wearing it. And so we, we, we worked as hard as we could and we got that. Like we got that thing. We got everyone wearing it and it, and it, it really blew up. I mean, obviously we've had our ups and downs and, sure. and the changing of retail and all these different things and switching to e-com, but, uh, I've been very fortunate, and and that kind of been my my baby and my my main thing all along, you know. For sure, man. So yeah, so when it comes to, yeah, so when it comes to um, young and reckless, so how many years has it been like? When did you start it? Just my that's my question. Nine years ago. Nine years ago. Wow, that's that's so sick. Yeah. So kind of my next question regarding like how you said looking at MTV as a platform where like you were able to distribute products. So, like when you first kind of started the entire brand or idea that you had, like from a back then standpoint of your mindset, like did you expect it to not only get this bin, but like not, not only to get this big, but just being every major retailer, PacSun, I know you're in there as well, but like what was your initial reaction to like the, like the incremental growth over time, like looking back? Yeah, so I'll say this, like obviously that's, you know, kind of a, a common question. And I think that a lot of people usually go the humble route and say like, no man, I never expected it. I'm gonna be honest though. Yeah, for of sure. course I expected when I when I sat and came up with the idea, I pictured walking through malls and seeing yeah. it everywhere. And I pictured billboards and I pictured, you know, now here's also the truth. When it actually started happening, it was crazy. I mean, still, when I, I still will go home for the holidays and I'll go to the local mall and walk into a pack sun and buy whoever's in the store young and reckless or do whatever I can because still walking into a mall that I used to walk into as a kid and seeing young and reckless front and center at a store that I used to go to is still crazy. So it's a little bit of a balance between, of course I expected it. That was the plan all along. And also absolutely not. The whole thing is crazy to me, you for know sure. what I mean? but I, that's where the yeah. balance is. That's, that's super dope because even for me like every time i go in there i'm like damn like the, the fact that i have you on my show man it's like dude like it's everywhere it's not just you know it's like especially from your standpoint but when it comes to how like you as your cousin rob rob Deerdeck, for everyone listening when it comes to like the entire show in general like i know that i was watching your interview with gerard adams who's a huge uh, mentor of mine and how like you started off by it was your you were his assistant right so when like when that kind of opportunity 
came along? Was that something that it was just a, a random thing that arose or was that something that you're always like, all right, maybe I can hit up Rob like as when I graduate high school or when I want to move forward stuff? Like what was that whole situation and how did that evolve over time? No, it kind of just unfolded. And, and here's what I'll say. Now that I look back at it too, like in hindsight and I have a little bit clearer sort of, I have a little bit clearer explanation for it, you know, and that is that what I was really doing, the only thing that I can take credit for is I was following the momentum. Like I was following the positive energy. I was following where the opportunities were. And I knew, and I still try to do that to this day. And I try never to get like jaded or, or sort of lazy not doing it along that you kind of skip that thing that you know you should go to or you skip that meeting that you know you should have. And and that's really what got me so far is I just followed the next thing that felt right and felt like there was action there. And so I moved to LA and then like I said, like I didn't know um, I didn't know my cousin very well at all growing up. I had seen him probably a total of about five times because wow. he He's about 12 or 13 years older than I am. And so he has lived in L.A. since he was 16. So he <laughs> moved to L.A. when I was three. Um, so I didn't really know him. And, and when I moved here, I knew he was here. And I knew that, you know, obviously, hopefully he would, I don't know, let me film him skating or something. Maybe I could get paid for that. I knew maybe I could make something yeah. happen. But I was supposed to get a job at a skate shop. Uh, that was actually my, my dream at the time. And uh, and. He just came one day, his assistant quit, and he came to me and said, hey, man, do you want to be my assistant? And I was 18 years old, and I was like, man, I don't even know what that means. Like, I don't know what an assistant does. I don't. You know, I literally had no idea. Akron, Ohio, they don't have personal assistants. And, um, but I also knew, and all his friends came to me and said, hey, man, don't do it. Like, it's going to ruin your relationship. And cause he's really serious when he works, and um, he doesn't joke around. And, and they were like, it's going to ruin your relationship. You really shouldn't do it. Just let him have a different assistant. But once again, in my mind, I was like, man, here's where the action is. Like, am I going to go work at a skate shop, um, which I can always do? If this doesn't work out, the skate shop will still be there. Um, or, or I want to try to get in on what's going on here and, and learn and be a part of, you know, at the time he was still just a pro skateboarder, but he was doing endorsement deals with DC Shoes and Monster Energy and doing these exciting things that I wanted to learn about. So I said, sure, uh, I'll just go for it. And and it just kind of unfolded. And then I was, then that ended up, uh, we ended up getting an MTV show, which and obviously I knew I wanted in on that. And then this and then that and then that. But it was really, when you really boil it all down, what I became clear on is it was nothing more than following my instincts of where I knew the action was. You know? For sure. For sure. Like, I, like, like just following the opportunities that arose in a sense, correct? Yeah, and I think for a lot of people wrong, they're very narrow-minded with sort of dreams or goals, right? And I think that that's why I hate when a lot of people say, you know, dream big or, or, or get too heavy on the, like, follow your dreams thing. I think that a lot of young people grow up with this, like, very narrow-minded dream, and so they're trying to figure out how to do that one thing, and you become blind to everything else. And I think when I was growing up, my dream was to be a pro skateboarder. It wasn't to be a clothing line owner or podcaster or whatever, but now I wouldn't change my life and never for sure. for, to be a pro there is no chance right um but i think that if you sort of follow the opportunity of life and the flow of life and then fill that gap in with ways to create businesses or or have fun or do your thing i think that's a way more realistic strategy than being yeah. too narrow-minded about one dream you know 
For sure, for sure. That's, I like that perspective. That's dope. So when, when it comes yeah. to, I know, like, at the forefront, at the forefront and how you looked at it as a platform, do you see that same type of stage regarding social media today as in, like, you have the reach and capability to get a product or, let's say, a clothing line in front of people? Like, what's your intake on, like, the transformation of platform from just, like, TV to now, like, social media, I'm sure, like, as you already know of? Like, what's your thoughts on the, like, transformation of platforms? Yeah, it's crazy too because I've been very like, I've been very involved in the entire transition, right? So the way that it used to work was, you would always try to get like there were sort of these big media like gatekeepers, right? Like MTV, VH1, whatever they are. I mean, even getting a filming a movie or getting a documentary or getting a comedy special, but you had to get past the gatekeepers. So your the way that you lived your life was you worked really, really hard, and you made, maybe you made some, like, um, you know, we in skateboarding, we used to call them, like, sponsor me videos, right? But you made videos, and you tried to get somebody to to pick you up, whether it be a network, um, a like a movie studio, a record label, uh, anything, but you had to get past that. And if you got past that, then you kind of had a chance of maybe actually getting something out and whatever, whatever. Then, if you made it, like, back when we were really just cracking on MTV, Social media was looked at only as like a way to talk to your fans. Like it was almost like responding to fan mail. It was not a platform. It was just a, a access point. Yeah. So <clears throat> the way that that's changed is now those gatekeepers, the old networks, the old whatever, are almost completely irrelevant. Like I, there is an argument to be made that MTV, VH1, Interscope Records, Warner Brothers Records are all irrelevant. Right? Okay. It's a little extreme, but I think that it's true. Um, where now your main goal is to build your own platform on social media. And so like now the model is instead of let me become a TV star who talks to my fans through Instagram, it's let me become a social media star who then gets a TV show just to help my social media. It doesn't, it doesn't become your thing. One of these big, uh, Gary V like he did, um, he did a planet of the apps. That's not his thing. He's not going to go off on that platform. All that does helps what he's already doing on his YouTube and his Instagram. For sure. It's just a totally different sort of flow of how these things work and what matters, you know? For sure. No. And I, I totally agree. Cause like for me, like coming from a small town, like I'm 17 still in high school and literally like, building a personal brand on social media like the fact that we're talking like a dm you know and I, that's all that's i talk about to my audience all the time about like the power of a dm because so many just a dm has just changed a lot of stuff for me and a quick question for you because regarding like for me for example like you have millions of followers on instagram and the fact like i remember when i, I messaged you to be on my podcast so just some night you were you posted a book on your um, instagram story and i was like yo bro i'd love to have you on my podcast so when it comes to like your interaction with fans or people that like for me, for example, that would want to get you on my podcast. What's your intake on responding to people, but then also like taking the time to like go out of your way to get on a podcast like this. Like what's your intake on communication with people on social media from like the drama perspective? Yeah. Um, I do the most that I absolutely can. So I go through almost every comment and I go through almost every DM because I know that there's great opportunities in there, right? Like I've, I've had a lot of great opportunities come from DMs and sometimes there's people that I know that maybe just don't have my number or whatever that will DM me. So I almost everyone I at least see, um, the only part where I'm really lacking is I try to do the whole like engage with everybody thing. That's just a little hard on me. I have trouble sitting and just sort of writing back, like, yeah, dude, thumbs up, good for you. You know, like, that's hard still, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, 
But anyone who has any, like, I really try to comment or at least give a like or something on any sort of feedback that's meaningful or, or anything like that. And then when it comes to podcasts and stuff like this, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think that the model just has changed. And I think that, yeah, you could still get an interview on, like, maybe me. I could get it, I guess, on, I don't know, Bloomberg or yeah, CNN yeah. or something. Maybe be huge. But, like, it, the model is more now a bunch of a bunch of little ones. And you just do every once. And you build a network. And you talk to you. And you talk to 10 other yous. And you talk to this guy. And you talk to that guy. And there's not really one thing anymore that's going to make or break your, your career or your sales or your social media followers it's a building block of like even for you like this is really cool uh, you said that you were really pumped to have me on your show i'm not going to change your life it's going to be doing a hundred yes for that's sure going to the impact you know what i mean and then it's going to be like damn uh he's killing it. his podcast is the greatest thing ever but the, yeah. the days of having that one thing are just gone you know definitely for sure man yeah that's that i like that response for sure but also, another question, uh, whenever I have someone on, I always like to just kind of give them this to see what the reaction is. So when it comes to, when you think about the word success, like who is an, an individual that you look up to or aspire to be like, who comes to mind when you hear that word? Woo. I don't know, man. I think that when I really think about it, I like, I piece, I piece people together, you know, like I piece aspects of people's lives yeah, yeah. together. Like maybe one person's family is great. One person's work life is great. And that's kind of what I aspire to be. Like I was actually thinking about it this morning when I was doing my little workout was I was like, is there one person that sort of embodies everything that I want to be? Mm-hmm. And there really isn't. Okay. For me personally, it's a lot of different pieces, but I don't know. I mean, even my cousin who I did all those shows with, he's really successful. He's making a, crap load of money he has a great family he just had his uh, second child uh he's a you know he's definitely a successful guy and I'm, don't get me wrong i'm surrounded by really successful people but for my own it's a little bit of a for sure mix and match that's dope people. that's dope like personality yeah. traits from other people that kind of form your individual self in a sense right yeah, yeah, that's dope. That's dope. So, yeah, so I, I know that like regarding how I've been following you regarding your podcast, the content you, that you've been putting out on social media. But to kind of, I know that like you're the CEO of Young and Reckless. You're doing all these things. You have the podcast. So, what's like your like daily routine, or how do you keep stuff organized in a way that just allows you to just live without stress in a way that you have all these big things? Like, what's the habits or things that you kind of rely on to keep you focused? Yeah, yeah, I'm working heavily on that because I'm a big believer in that, and I'm trying to really evolve it get better at it and stick to it but for right now um i usually wake up at 7 a.m i do my i leave my phone play right because i'll i'll instantly start you, know, you respond to one email and then all of a sudden you get a response and this and then before you know it you didn't you didn't get the proper like it's real important to me to wake up and like clear my mind and then enter the day like on my own terms if that makes sense yeah, yeah if not i'll just kind of wake up and just like be scattered and just go for it and, and not be very effective. So I usually wake up. Um, I do some little meditation stuff. Uh, I just started a, a gratitude journal where I write five things that I'm really thankful for that day. So I start out real positive. Um, I then grab my phone for only one second and I text my mom every morning. And I say, mom, I love you. And I hope you have a great day. Oh, that's and, awesome. uh, and then I, uh, I, uh, then I get to, the phone. Sometimes if I, if I have a lot of time and I have a real good day, I'll read for 30 minutes because yeah. it just once again starts me off real mellow and gets on my own trip. Anyway, the point is by, you know, 8 o'clock, I'm 
going through my inbox, responding to emails, texts, whatever, whatever. And then I also make sure that I take breaks. So I will break to eat or to relax for a second, and then I'll get back on. I've noticed that as much as I can be disciplined with the time that I'm like, this is email time for the next hour. It's email time, and then break for thirty minutes, and then this, and then, you know, like that yeah. really helps me to okay. to to segment, you know, as opposed to trying to do everything at once. So the big thing is this: I try to have my entire calendar be scheduled the night before, okay. so that even if it's break time or check Instagram time, <laughs> it's scheduled in my calendar. Okay, well, that's dope. No, that's I like that a lot. And even for me, when it comes to like things I've been testing, I definitely, when it comes to like the little things, like you said, like check Instagram time, I usually just have like a block of like, what am I going to do next? You know, but I like how you said, like even the little things you said, right? Like every little bit of thing. So it's just like a constant, like switching blocks and switching segments. That's dope. Yeah, it's important. And it's something I have seen occurring in like very high achievers, high output people. Yeah. So many of them do it, you know, and I think it's really important. For sure, for sure. So yeah, I mean, as as someone like you who is like busy, you have all this stuff going on, managing a company, having your podcast, interviewing guests all the time. What would you say is like the number one thing that not keeps you organized, but um, in a perspective of just handling everything, is there things that have just like allow you to keep on progressing? Is it just the long term vision? Like, what's the motivation and like the drive and like pr- passion? I'd say that you could just pinpoint as like an overall like this is why I do what I do in a sense. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I, I don't know, and, and I wish I, I wish I knew, but I, this is what I know. I know that um, on the the times when I a get lazy or b start to feel like I'm something special and um, don't work as hard because I feel like I can just cut things on autopilot. Those are the times when I'm the most miserable, and and when I'm challenging myself and trying new things and and trying to progress things forward is when I'm just truly, truly the happiest. And and so I don't know what that all means, big picture, like meaning of life, you know, really where it's all headed, but I know that I'm the happiest when I'm learning and, and taking some risks and, and just feeling like I'm moving things forward. Yeah. Um and I'm and I'm the worst off when I'm just relaxing on my on my, <laughs> my compliment. Definitely, definitely. That's dope. So when it comes to, I always like to give a few like practical things when I'm interviewing people and especially for you, like a clothing brand, like Young and Reckless, that is literally like massive in a sense. So I know on Instagram and people that I know personally, they're trying to start a brand or t-shirt brand. So what would you kind of suggest and like pinpoint that people should know moving forward into starting a clothing brand? What would be kind of your insights about that? Because I know there's a huge niche right now regarding just people starting little brands, but to kind of stand out, like what would be your kind of tips and advice from someone that has done it successfully? Yeah, I think the biggest thing with any business, I think this is where a lot of people go wrong, including myself when I was younger. I didn't do this perfect or right by any means, but is um, really truly educating yourself on the entire picture and being able to answer any question. And I would urge everyone to go to people that they trust to be honest with them and give them real feedback on what they think about, you know, their idea. Is there customers for it? Is there a place to market it for a price that you can afford to pay, which is probably free, uh, which is the best way? Where are you going to sell it? I mean, that honesty, I can't stress enough how much, if you can't find anyone to be honest with you, be please be really honest with yourself and, and just be able to know um, what the product is, why it's different, 
um, where you're going to sell it and how you're going to market it. And and just know, I hate to say this and sound negative, but just because you like it, because it's your idea, doesn't mean everyone else is necessarily going to. You need to have a reason why they're going to like it or why they connect to it. Um, that's why I think a lot of people go wrong is, is you know, it's natural to come up with an idea, think it's the best idea in the world, and think that when you put it out, it's going to explode. But unfortunately, that's not really how the world works, and you need to be able to explain why people are going to connect with it and decide to buy it over the 5,000 other options that you have today. You know, there's so many options. Definitely, definitely. No, that's dope. So I, I got like two or three more questions for you, man. But um, regarding, I know like the, I remember one time like when I first DM'd you, it was like when you posted a picture of a book. So when it comes to just self-education and just the modern education system, I always like to ask this question. Like what's your thoughts on like the modern education system? How was it an effect in your life or did you go to college? And that kind of route to now, I'm not talking about the whole story, but just kind of your thoughts on the entire system in general and where you're at now, which is like yeah. the self-development aspect of things. Yeah, it's good because the story is really short for me. I didn't go to college at all. I didn't take my SATs. I had no plan of ever going to college. It was just not something I was going to do. Yeah. Um, I think it's terrible. I think the education system is horrible. Uh, and not only are, we, are our kids learning things that are absolutely not necessary and not learning things that are so necessary, which is mind-blowing to me, and I can't figure out why it's like that, but um, – yeah, now that I, you know, for instance, I didn't read one single book. I checked this with my mom this year at Christmas, actually. I didn't read one single book my entire childhood, my entire high school career. My school just didn't, was requirement. There was no classes that made you read a book. Okay. And so I remember, like, four years ago, I read Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Like this guy was able to put all of these things that I kind of feel like instinctually yeah. into like a book. Like this is <laughs> crazy. And so yeah. then I got another one. Then I got another one. And, and it's been really, you know, it was really hard for me. Like focusing to read a book was really hard. And yeah. um, it's just from doing it over and over and over that now, I mean, this year my goal is like as much as I can go through about a book a week okay. um, because now I'm noticing that, as I'm absorbing the right information, it's so mind-blowing and everything kind of connects and it does make sense and it is all the answers that you were looking for all along. But I don't know, man. I, unfortunately, I don't know if it'll ever change um, or maybe it's a very, very slow evolution that is always behind the curve. But with the way technology and the way everything is going, um, everything's moving so fast and, and school is not. And for sure. I hope like maybe Elon Musk like figures out a new school. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah. Jeff Bezos on high school or something. But it needs fix because I think so much pointless frustration and, and failure comes from just a lack of education. And you don't yeah. know any better better than you're 16 or to, you know how to figure it out. Yeah, for sure, man. And I think that's funny because I'm actually I'm a senior this year and I graduate in June. And like just the entire like literally when I was like a sophomore in high school, that was like I was kind of more into school. But then as all these different opportunities and building a brand like that stuff that now like I've learned on my own in a sense that you would never in a million years learn in school. And like that's like the new like the fact that I'm talking to you or that I've met Ty or I'm going to meet Gary, like the building a brand in a sense in this whole new wave, like I've, that's the most relevant stuff right now, you know? And like the whole, they're not even talking yeah. about that. That's insane. But I'm um, regarding, I yeah. know you said, 
a book a week. But well, go ahead. There's people that write me. There's people that write me and say, like, "Oh, I learned more from your podcast than I did yeah. in all of high school or whatever." Yeah. And I'm like, number one, that's ridiculous. But number two, it's probably <laughs> in some ways not too far from yeah. from true because they're not. I mean, you know, I, I don't. I would like to sit in on a high school class and remember what what they're teaching uh, 16, 17 year olds. But Terrible, man. it just seems really. I mean, you're learning algebra, but you don't know how to do your taxes. It's great. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and it, like literally, because I, 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 I have four classes this year, man, and I think I'm in government, and they're talking about just like how the government government originated in 1800s, and just like irrelevant stuff, you know. That's like no one just has Our like president doesn't know about government, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> but regarding just um, I know that you said reading a book a week, and there, I have like two more questions for you, man. But regarding just two books that. Doesn't have to be in particular what books, but just two books that you've kind of found yourself that have added value to you that you'd recommend to the audience. What would those two books be? You know what I would say is, um, and I always kind because of, a lot of people have started asking me now, um, like friends, and I always kind of try to cater it to them. But I would say, for the sake of this, I would say Think and Grow Rich, which is just an absolute classic. Yeah. And really opened my eyes a lot, but I will say, was difficult to read. Like it's not an easy sure. book to read. Yeah. Um, and it's not fun either, but I would suggest everyone try to get through it or at least get the audio book. Cause it's mind blowing. Right. Um, and also I, I think that I'll say shoe dog, uh, by Phil Knight. And the reason for that is cause it's kind of the polar opposite of that. And it, and it is really easy to read and it's an incredible story. It's a real story about, you know, obviously how Nike was created. And, um, it was really cool to me to see how much Phil Knight didn't know what he was doing when he was starting Knight and how many mistakes he made and how many, how much was just guesswork and how many times it almost went out of business. And you just look at a brand like Nike now and you think, Oh, it's just perfect. And it's probably always been perfect. And Phil Knight is probably just some alien genius, but to really bring that down to earth and see like, uh, he's a normal guy who started a brand just like anyone else was really cool for me. So I'd say those two. That's dope. That's dope. That's appreciate that, man. So my last question, I know that you've been going super hard on the podcast. I've been literally like whenever I'm working out or going to school, I'll be listening to it. But when it comes to your kind of like why you started your podcast, as well as like your thoughts on the podcast industry, the voice industry, like Gary Vee talks about, like what's your kind of mindset on that? And like your, your starting point of why you started your podcast in the first place. Yeah. So the podcast, uh, the reason I started it was because you know, I had been doing TV and that stuff for years, and obviously I'm reaching millions and millions of eyeballs, but, but I kind of came to this realization a few years ago that I'm reaching, I was reaching for about eight, nine years, millions of eyeballs, not really with a, a character of how I wanted to portray myself or what I'm really interested in. Yeah. And so, yeah, like a lot of people knew who I was, and I had a lot of Instagram followers, and I'd walk down the sidewalk and people would come up to me, but they're not coming up to me or following me for what I actually like to do. Yeah. yeah. And so I just started thinking of, like, man, how can I start to build my own personal brand okay. and start to really put out as much content as possible about what I'm actually passionate about? And the real thing is, at the end of the day, I'm not a, I'm not a comedian. Um, I'm not an athlete. I'm not, a, I'm not even a... Uh, some crazy clothing designer. I'm just a young entrepreneur from Ohio who had nothing but a high school education and sort of uh, figured out how to make some things happen. And, and I want to talk about that and talk to other people like that and also spread as much knowledge as I possibly can. And to be honest, I have a lot of faith in podcasting. I think it's really a huge thing. And it's, 
it's easy. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to answer to anyone. It can be as long as you want. You can say whatever curse words you want. You yeah. can do it whenever you want. And that's what I like. So sure. that really sort of like like um, got me into the content thing. Now I'm doing little videos for Instagram. I'm doing this. I'm going to try to start doing video blogs and more content. But that's what really sort of broke the seal for me on that stuff. When it comes to where it's going, I think podcasting is absolutely massive. I'm not as, I would say, educated, I guess, on like the whole voice thing, like how Gary is about yeah. Alexa and all that stuff. I believe him. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. I have one in my house. I use it for to ask what the weather is just yeah. for, for the hell of it. Um, <laughs> but I don't doubt that he's right and that uh, that, that could definitely be the future. But I will say everyone on earth, literally everyone on earth should have a podcast. That, oh, yeah. I love that, man. And it's fun that you say that because I literally started mine like, three weeks ago and just I'm loving it like literally the first one I did I had like my Apple headphones now I have like my a better mic the better quality and stuff I just feel like the simplicity of it as well as like like you said about someone reaching out to you saying like they've learned so much about more than they did in high school like even for my audience that I have of like a hundred thousand followers whatever I've been getting the most messages throughout the last week and a half of just people listening to my podcast giving me responses than any Instagram piece of content or YouTube video that I've ever put out just because I feel like it allows me, and I'm sure you would agree, to just express yourself in the most genuine way, conversational-wise, you know? So, I mean, I think, and that's for sure, I mean, I definitely love, appreciate you having you on regarding the how you've had your podcast. You've been a huge inspiration to me to even starting mine, but that, that was some dope insight regarding just what your thought was on that for sure. Yeah, thank you, man. And same here. Like, I started doing it at a desk in my office with some crappy mics, and then I realized it was kind of working, and so I bought some better mics, and then I just built the whole, I mean, the set is right here yeah. in my office. That's clean. It's literally just one wall in my office. The video looks really fancy, but here it, it doesn't at all. But uh, that's yeah. all you need, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, I just think I think it's a really important thing. I think that anyone with anything to say or to sell should start a podcast now. For sure, for sure. I love it. But everyone listening, go start your podcast. Like I always make sure people yeah. like they're listening, but they aren't doing. And that's my biggest thing is just like execution on anything. So last thing before I let you go, man, when it comes to, I have a big audience of just young entrepreneurs, whether that be they have businesses that they're following me from other entrepreneurs that I'm associated with, like Gerard Adams or Ty, what's like your biggest insights that you'd want a young entrepreneur, entrepreneur to know just regarding entrepreneurship in general is something that you've learned or taken away from just your journey so far. Well, I will say, I, and once again, I want to make sure this comes off right, but I think entrepreneurship is hotter than ever, right? And it's very on trend, and there's a lot of people that are following the Gary Vs of the world and and um, and and feel like entrepreneurs. And, of course, it's great to feel like an entrepreneur, and it's great to call yourself an entrepreneur because you, you want to go work for yourself, make a lot of money, and meet a lot of really cool people. Sure, that sounds, sounds great. <laughs> But I think that what people aren't talking about enough and aren't aren't being honest enough about is the ups and downs and the brutal pain of it and the uh, the fear of it and uh, resourcefulness of it and the feeling of if you win, sure you win and it looks great on your Instagram. But man, when you can't and you can't post it on Instagram, it feels terrible and it's all on you. And and you know I've I've had a lot of wins and losses. I've I've got to hire and work with some amazing people, but I've also had to sit across a desk and fire very close friends. Yeah. And uh, those are things that people don't talk about. And I think that's great. It's all part of the journey and it's why I love it. But I think that with this rise in the trend of entrepreneurship, I just want people to 
really buckle down and, and, and be prepared for the battle because that's going to separate who actually makes it and gets to bag on Instagram and, and who doesn't. Are the people who can really take the beating and, and learn and continue to educate and drive forward and, and just continue to do the right thing. I think um, those will be the people who really come out on top when the trend is over. For sure. Oh, that, that was dope. That, that's a boom. That was, that was an amazing ending, man. So for just the fire that you just dropped, man, like for the people that haven't heard of your podcast before, where can they find it and how can they follow you more like closely on social media, man? Yep. A short story long is the name of the podcast. It's on iTunes and all the, um, all the podcast places. Um, the main place where I actually interact and post stuff is on Instagram, which is drama. Um, and then YouTube is where I'm putting a lot of energy, which is youtube.com slash drama drama. I post all the, uh, I post all those, uh, podcast videos there. I started a new little news piece with my business partner called group chat. And I'm going to start doing video blogs and that type of stuff. So those are really the three main, uh, main spots. Dope for sure. Yeah, everyone. And for sure, if you guys want to go down link in the description, I'll have all that there as well. But drama man, just regarding this entire episode, man, honestly, man, I really appreciate you having me on and allowing me to just pick your brain, man. It's been a pleasure, but for everyone that is not subscribed yet to the rise of the young podcast, make sure you subscribe, make sure you leave a rating, drop a review and let me know who you want me to have on my podcast. Because literally I talk about all the time, just the power of a DM, how insanely powerful it is and just networking. But drama, I really appreciate you having me able to interview you, man. Appreciate it so much. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. It's really cool what you're doing. For sure, man. Appreciate it. Everyone. I will see you guys on the next episode. Peace.